4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay, well, I, I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I could let you know the ins and outs of old args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. And welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we are joined again by special guest, Audrey. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing and finishing season one of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians TV show. How are y'all doing today? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. I'm good. It was fine. It was good. It was, it was, um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> how about you, Jacqueline? <laughs> you know, I, it, it was okay. Yeah, it was like, all right. Oh, Jane, what about you? I've sat through worse. <laughs> yeah, that's about the, that's, you know, that's what I should say for it. I have sat through much worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Sat through the movies. <laughs> yes. You know what? If they set out to make something that was better than the movies, I think they succeeded. Yes. Yay. I also oh. think that that was a low bar to clear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damning with faint <laughs> praise, I suppose. Well, But clear it, they did. Clear it, they did. Um, let's get right into it. I, I don't think there's any big news to talk about right now. So we can just get right into these episodes. So... <laughs> Uh, we start, I was incredibly excited at the start of these episodes because I think there was like, there was one key thing that we said had to be in this show or we'd be incredibly mad, um, which was the- The essential thing you must include. Yeah, the Procrustes, uh, waterbed emporium. (laughs) Uh, and- It was, I mean, it was a regular mattress store, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, there, there was like one waterbed, um- and I, this was, I, I, it's an eight episode television show, I guess. Um, all <laughs> killer, no filler. Um, but I, we rush so fast through Procrustes and he doesn't even get his fucking head cut off. Doesn't even get decapitated. I was, I was so really mad about that. that. <laughs> I was so mad. Also, I just have to say that the mattress emporium had, more color than the entire rest of the episodes combined. You're so God, right. It really did. <laughs> Which oh honestly, I love it. I love it. Loved it as a design choice. Um, 
And also that's a little bit of me ragging on like why is every scene in the show so poorly lit or just like so coldly lit you know we'll get to fucking everything in hades (laughs) (laughs) yeah um this was like okay they did a couple interesting things with like emphasizing the like brotherhood between procrustes and percy yeah Uh, i i thought the like actor for procrustes was kind of like you know he was doing the like weird scary guy thing decently I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a character actor, and I mean that's basically who he plays. That like a c- kind of creepy dude. Yeah, creepy. A weird dude who'd run a mattress emporium. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but he's quickly dispatched, uh, and then we we see there's no recording studio. We don't get any like little musical number. Um, <laughs> we, the the entrance to Hades is just under the mattress store. Uh, and it is, uh, it's 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 an underworld when they get there. All right, it's a mid-journey underworld, <laughs> AI-generated <laughs> underworld. Oh my god, you're right. I felt that way about a lot of the backgrounds in these last two episodes, where it was like trying to convey things like with the gods present, and the backgrounds were like it's night, but it's not, and it's sunset, and it's evening, and it's morning, and it's daytime. And I was just like, okay, Mid Journey, sure, that's fine. That's <laughs> thank you of- the volume where you just like clearly CGI this background <laughs> exactly. God. No, yeah, I'm super disappointed by how this show looks just in general. Uh, it it's consistently never very interesting. They did like I think the best job they did was like you like you said the mattress store for some reason. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah, like so that was essential. Like what an amazing set. Yeah, y- yeah. And then like later on we get a better view of it, but I do like the beach house um, because it's so like tacky and weird. Uh, <laughs> it it feels like every beach house I've ever vacationed at. So yeah, seemed appropriate. Uh. But it, into Hades, into the, like, weirdly generated Hades, um, Annabeth, Percy, and Grover, they're, uh, they're like, uh, we, we, <sighs> Annabeth and Grover get a little moment here where Grover is super stressed, and he's doing, like, he's doing, like, repetitive stress behaviors, he's, like, picking at his hair, uh, like, running his fingers through it or something, but also... I, what is it like to have like repetitive head-based stress behaviors while having horns? I wonder. Oh gosh, y- you know the base of his horns are so scabby; they have oh. to be. Oh god, you're right. Yeah, Annabeth very kindly gives him a stress ball to squeeze, and then when I saw that <laughs> fall, I thought that's gonna get thrown. Schroding is stress ball. Yes, 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 exactly. Uh, check off. Schroding. What ball, the right? fuck am I? Check <laughs> what you meant (laughs) without throwing the ball you can't know whether or not there will be a dog on the other side or something (laughs) exactly exactly i will say okay speaking of dog i will say the cerberus cgi was probably the standout of these last two episodes i want to pet this dog yeah Yeah. they do a good job of making cerberus cute uh and like making the three heads heads thing work okay yeah it's just... three big Rottweilers, and Rottweilers are cute. They're so cute. Oh, there's one in my neighborhood, and my dog hates him. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's such a sweetie. Aw. <laughs> God. Dogs are the best. Uh, I, 
Oh, and uh, then we uh, when they enter the underworld, that's when we get back to the flashback from the other episode that we didn't really know what it was about, uh, with Percy just sitting in a car, uh, mm-hmm. having sadness, and we now know why he was so sad. It was because his mom wanted to take him to school. <laughs> Which fair. I felt like the drama of the flashback. Okay, how do I say this? I felt like. The flashback was appropriately dramatic to be juxtaposed with the episode, but not appropriately dramatic for the part of Percy's life that it was. Um, yeah. Like, it felt mm. artificially more dramatic than it needed to be to suit the story. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It, it's... it does kind of blow up into this big melodramatic confrontation when it's just like, she's trying to get him out of the car to go to school. Well, and then, like, later when they're sitting in the restaurant and stuff, it's like, I mean, they're going to get attacked by zombies at any moment, the lighting on this thing. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> with, it's a freaking milkshake. <laughs> with fucking, like, Walter Scoville Jr. just, like, uh, just delivering, like, a grand monologue. Like, very, like, I think, like, written above his age. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is, like, you, know, you at least need to be 10 to be dropping lines like this. Uh, Which is not, yeah, yeah, it's, and also, like, you can have, like, a weird, precocious kid who's, like, seems, like, beyond their years. That's not Percy. That that was something that struck me, too, about the flashbacks. Like, the the kid actor is doing his best and, like, acting his little heart out. He's great. Um, but the the whole thing is, like, there's a part of the flashback sequence, and I know that this is, like, way later in the episode, but there's a part of the flashback sequence where, like, Sally looks over and like sees Percy just sitting at the table and he's like not touched the milkshake milkshake and he's literally just sitting there like perfectly still and I was like isn't the whole conceit of this that like he got kicked out of another school for being like imaginative and flighty and like ADHD symptoms and stuff like it just felt weird you know mm-hmm yeah and it's he doesn't not- he doesn't need uh-huh. to be bouncing off the walls at all times but it is kind of weird that they're not like drawing attention to that as, like, a, a thing that is, like, causing tension between them. Sally's it just act- felt... Uh-huh. It, sorry. It just felt super... Because you're right. That's not, like, something that is that is characteristic of ADHD all the time. But it is something where, like, juxtaposed against the concerns that, like, Sally has, it is so stark to me. Yeah. It just felt... It felt out of place. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a kid who's going to get into any trouble. Uh, exactly. <laughs> And I was, like, expecting... The way they were sort of, like, kept the camera on him, like, we could see that Sally wasn't looking. I was convinced that the big reason this flashback was, like, so dramatically framed was because he was going to, like, run away and, like, from home for a little bit or something. Yeah. Uh, and that's not really what happened. It's it's dramatically framed for a different reason. S- Sally's actor, I think, is pulling some pulling some work here. She's doing good. I, I really... Yeah. The, and I really, I, I, I guess just talking about this flashback sort of as a, as a whole, um, having this be like indicative of like what Percy's life was before, like what was, what did, what did it mean that he was hopping from school to school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that is something that we know about Percy from the books. That is something that doesn't really get mentioned, I don't think, until sort of this point in the show. And I, I think that like, there is a degree to which it it's kind of like if it's going to be this dramatic every single time like is how is this kid doing okay at all right now right 
Right, exactly. I do I do think like as much as the framing of it is a bit silly, I do think the conflict between them is I think like pretty effectively kind of heartbreaking in a way. Yeah. Oh, very Whereas, much like, so. Percy's like what what eventually comes out is that Percy's like fundamental fear is like, "Oh, you're trying to send me away. You don't want me." And his mom can't really explain like fully that like no I, I can't homeschool you because I'm like a single mother and I need to you know like work jobs to support us uh, and you need to be like somewhere that can like support the like you know different learning needs that you have and it's just this like this kind of tragic view of like how like no matter how much Sally tries to protect Percy from it like the world is always going to fuck him up slightly and there's not really anything she can do about that which kind of yeah. reflects a lot of what she's feeling about like where Percy is with the Olympians as well. That's really yeah, I think that's Jacqueline, we were gonna say the same thing. I was just about to say, well said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well played, Jade. Um uh, I, I think that like what what I find really interesting about this is that there's an undercurrent too of like Sally at all times being so aware that like a you know centaur could come up and shoot Percy with an arrow at any time, <laughs> uh, like that that like she's not sure how to handle that really. Like she knows that camp is an option, and yeah. but when Percy says like oh but you like why do you want to send me why why do you want to like abandon me or whatever he says exactly, she kind of can't disagree because she does want to send him away she thinks that that in that moment she's like maybe that that's what would be best for him mm-hmm. and that that you know like like he's that that is a you know tragic sort of conflict to have i think that it also the flat so the extended flashback sequence that they keep cutting away to it, it serves as a really um a really good mechanism to make sally seem um particularly sympathetic and for like to remind us that like she's the reason that Percy wanted to go to the underworld and like um just kind of what's at stake here I think and in Mm. that regard I do think that the drama serves it well and that um the just the juxtaposition of like everything they've been through together to like everything he's going through so that they can be together again is nice yeah absolutely Uh, although I do think the show it doesn't i it i think the sally's sally finally coming back at the end is a bit uneven uh oh it is it so is uh Uh, and i guess to finish off this flashback we meet a very special man (laughs) a very special man named toby stevens poseidon uh he's Mm, he's, named captain flint (laughs) named captain james tiberius flint uh he's he's wearing his funky little shirt and uh he's i i can't not like anything that toby stevens does he's he just he's just an incredible actor what i guess i'll ask what do we think of toby stevens as poseidon I think the the performance is good. I think the outfit is too kind of toned down and generic. I want Beach Bum Poseidon. Yeah. I was just I about to say, shirt. he felt like Dad in the Hamptons Poseidon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like we go to Martha's Vineyard for our vacations Poseidon a yeah. little. But the acting is really good. I think that he's, he does an incredible job of... Um, 
of conveying a lot while saying a little and speaking very softly. So it's like, but but you can tell that there is like restraint there. Oh, um, you know. Oh, and also, uh, we didn't mention it, but the way that Sally like gets Poseidon's attention in this moment is she like um, like lights a match and uh, sticks it into a milkshake, which is I think just like. <laughs> A really neat way of doing the whole like burning an offering to the gods thing. Yes, in a way that's yeah. kind of discreet. Seeing Sally do that is really cool too. She doesn't interact yeah. a lot with like the mythological stuff uh, in the books, and so like realizing that she must have this knowledge, you know, that she must like yeah. have learned this from maybe maybe from Poseidon, maybe somewhere else. Uh, that's really cool he can do some amazing things with like the muscles under his eyes there's like uh, (laughs) like like you said saying little but expressing a lot um and they have a little conversation where uh, it's a co-parenting moment yeah (laughs) maybe the only one that they ever had (laughs) yeah yeah i think so i it does it does kind of I, they might have had more after this and this does kind of for me like it makes me less iffy on the whole like percy's arc is learning that poseidon is actually cool and you can trust him thing right because in in the books there's no indication that he ever helped sally out with anything really no uh, mm-hmm. and having it be like okay he was there for her sometimes he gave her advice you know uh that that makes it like that makes Percy needing to think of Poseidon as the cool guy, or at least as like someone to not like immediately punch in the face when he meets. Uh, it makes it it jives a bit, you know, better in that sense. Uh, although I I'm always going to wish for like a little bit more. Like I guess if we have to have Poseidon as like the cool one, mm-hmm. then this is how you have to do it. So that's that's fine. Because I think this is, like, the the way that Percy and Poseidon's relationship is being portrayed in this show is, like, very different to the books in a lot of ways. Or I think, like, in the books, there is always, like, I don't think they ever fully move past this kind of framing of, like, it's an awkward Percy thinks of him as, like, a dad who ran out on him kind of situation. Yeah. Whereas in this show, they kind of seem to be a bit closer. That definitely sounds like a fair analysis to me. Um, I do have to say that there was like this the moment in the flashback where she's like do you want to go talk to him like I know you're not supposed to kind of thing and I was like I know that he's not going to talk to him but I still want him to you know and so I do feel like the the conversation between them was like one of the high points in the writing of these couple episodes to me It, it really is I think it's just they've they they've swerved a lot from the books sometimes for the better sometimes for the worse i think this is like my my favorite like added scene probably yes yes definitely um and i really love uh what sally says to him uh she says uh like when he when he's like so do you want to send him to camp what are you doing and she says i want him to learn who he is before your family tries to tell him who he should be uh, that, that's just great that's like the that's the message of the the, the, the themes that's the thing that's the thing with the yeah. show yeah yeah i guess maybe we should talk about hades a little bit since it's like the whole other half of this episode <laughs> <laughs> must we okay uh, <laughs> it's oh. okay <laughs> my my biggest gripe with these episodes is that yeah grove they they start out with the four pearls so they can go down and get um 
get everyone plus Sally out. And then Grover loses his during the fight with uh, Cerberus to like kind of build a bit of uh, fucking bit of suspense and stuff. Uh, there is never a bit where like Cerberus accidentally crunches down on the pearl and ends up on the surface. <laughs> I didn't think that was where that sentence was going, but that would have been so good. <laughs> it, maybe in a like bonus content or something like that. That'll you know in the in the the novel adaptation. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little scene of that. I, I, I thought you were going to say. I don't think it would have been very satisfying, but I think it would have been very funny if that's how the Ares fight ended. So the fucking <laughs> drops out of the sky and lands on him. That would have been thought, extremely funny. Yes. What what I thought you were going to say was they they do like this really like they, they take the four pearls, have Grover lose one, which is like makes there be more like inner party conflict you know but a bit of tension between the characters grover or percy wants to save his mom grover fucked it up a little bit for him mm-hmm. but then it doesn't really actually come into play with how they need to save his mom at all nope uh, no. <laughs> so it, it doesn't really matter that he lost a pearl no they wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to get sally out even if they had the extra pearl <laughs> exactly i think that this episode like you were saying kind of at the top jacqueline is it it just is go 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 and partly that's like we're at the climax of the of the series or series of the series season whatever we're partly we're at the climax of the season and partly <laughs> it's just that this thing has always had weird pacing to me the the mm-hmm. show has had weird pacing throughout i think and compared to like the travel episodes where it sometimes felt like nothing happened these two felt like it was nonstop things happening <laughs> I think this show needed like six more episodes and the episodes need to be shorter. I think I can that, see that that is great. Yeah. Like just we need some time for them to sit in the back of a truck and like just talk about their feelings while there are a bunch of smelly zoo animals around. To actually talk yeah. to a zebra for which the episode is named. I'm still not over that. <laughs> Would have been nice. Would have been so nice. <laughs> it would have been. Instead, the only character they get to talk to is fucking Charon with his line, with his line, Percy with an incredible, uh, another incredible sort of New Yorkerism. Uh, he says that only suckers wait in line. Uh, I I love every time we are, are reminded that Percy is like an ornery little city kid. Um, <laughs> it, it's so fun. Um, and Charon is Ugh. a just sort of a dude he's just sort of the grim reaper it's it's so lame compared to how caron was in the books oh he sucked when he, when I, he shows I, up and he has like his nice business suit and like percy basically encourages I him to unionize and bribes him to get past him hated the makeover of hades i hated yeah. it i was mm. like every underworld ever is like this shadowy spirity place sad death whatever fine it's but like the juxtaposition and i i get why disney wouldn't want to do this but like in the books when it's like oh yeah you know he's a businessman and like yeah unionize people can't afford to get in like all this stuff i'm like come on that is what we deserve <laughs> it really is it's weird to me that they didn't show any of elysium also yeah i think that would have like that would have because that comes up in the book they kind of spot it off in the distance and i think that would have like broken up how fucking boring hades looks yeah the only like interesting i guess area in it is like kind of asphodel Uh, like it it doesn't look 
interesting, but I guess it's kind of scary that the shades are turning into trees or whatever. It's so dark. Uh, yeah, it's just all everything is too dark. We need what's uh, oh, I'm going Jane. I think you said this one already, but the tweet that's like men in LA <laughs> stop becoming influencers. We need gaffers. We'll stop quoting <laughs> it when it stops being relevant. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so true. Here's the thing, okay? I would trade all of the spookiness they put in Asphodel for them actually cutting off Percrusty's head. Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Or or the fucking I I would trade almost all of this for the scene of the like uh pre- the corrupt preacher uh, who <laughs> thinks he's burning in hell. Oh, oh, the guy yeah. who died in a police chase when his Lamborghini for the Lord went off a cliff. <laughs> yes, I'm so sad that that's not in here. One of my, one of like Rick Riordan's. That's a very Trace Navarre. Like, yeah, uh, ha- having been reading his older books recently, that's a very Trace Navarre. Like, that's that's like that's when Percy's like grizzled de- detective side comes out. Um, <laughs> and like that is like. I think kind of indicative of how much of the edge of the like good edge of the books has been entirely sanded away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that these last two episodes more than any other in the series others in the series like solidified for me that that they took the teeth out of the books mm-hmm. and basically painted over all of the series with like the Marvel brush, you know? Where it's all kind of samey and there's not really anything of true impact, even though it purports to have like deep themes and meanings and plots and stuff. And it just is shiny. It's just shiny. It's shiny. And sometimes it looks like Dune. They put more sand in the volume again. They got the same fucking truckload of sand that they use for all the Tatooine scenes in Star Wars shows. (laughs) Oh my God. They, the, the, um, Kronos pit I was like oh so we're in Mordor now okay yeah Yeah, uh, Annabeth like gets lost in Asphodel and it's not even particularly remarkable like she just shows up later Um, I I, I, like don't even have anything to say about it like you're supposed to get stuck there if you have regrets or like things you should be choosing but that you're not they don't really explore that at all she just shows up later after being stuck there I get yeah. what, my my suspicion is that I think maybe something was cut here. Mm-hmm. Well, like because Annabeth gets kind of bogged down in her regrets, and then later on at the end, she's like going back to see her dad again. So like I can see how there might have been a through line there, which is like, oh, I really fucking regret running away from home, and I think my dad must be so worried about me right now. But that's not in the show. No, they didn't. They didn't really give any indication of what the regrets were. And to me, if it was cut, it was to solidify the idea that maybe she could be the traitor, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like oh yeah, I regret coming here, or I regret betraying you guys, or whatever. Like you could read it that way. I think that's a very generous read. I also didn't write anything down about this scene except for how is she stuck? It's just a tree root. <laughs> so <laughs> they have a sword. I know. Sword. I guess it can only can it not cut through. Have we learned that it can literally only cut through monsters and mythological things? Can it not cut? I through don't trees? think so. I don't think so. Well, in that case, yeah. Annabeth has a normal ass knife. <laughs> she does. Yeah. yeah. Well, Grover can chew it. Uh, I <laughs> just. It was just anticlimactic to me, and then yeah. it was like, oh, yeah, the chrono scene and the shoes, and that was slightly dramatic for just a second, um, and then suddenly Hades. 
is there. You know? They find the master bolt and it's nothing. I like had to rewind because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, oh my god. It 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 does it looks awful. It's it's not like cool. It, it it's like a light it's like a slightly like fancied up lightning bolt shape. Like like in the book, Percy talks about how like holding it feels like he's holding a nuclear bomb. And like obviously you have you'd have to convey that in a different way in a show as opposed to just like, you know, telling us how it feels, but like there's no effort really made to like give that sense of like overwhelming power and danger. There's not they even didn't... any like thrumming. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say they didn't even do anything that was like non diegetic, right? Like you could have done something with the score there to to make it freaking hit you, right? That mm-hmm. this is oh no. Instead, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is the bag Ares gave me. Cool. Let's go see Hades. And what's the purpose of finding it, like, right here and, like, like in the show? Because it, I, what it does is it sets up a choice for Percy of, like, okay, I have to choose between my mom and Zeus. Um, but <laughs> I, I, what what's the choice? There's no choice there. There's no choice between, like... We, we know that Percy's going to save his mom and, you know, Grover gets to be the sweet friend who's like, we're going to go save your mom and then do the rest of the thing. That's nice, but... It's, it's like a fun juxtaposition for um, Kronos. Uh, juxtaposition's my word of the episode. Count how many <laughs> times I have said it. But it's, I mean, it's nice for, for like, hindsight, right? Knowing that Kronos is behind everything and whatever. Um, sorry, spoilers, for the finale <laughs> oh episode that we are also going to talk about um but like it's a funny juxtaposition me there because it's like they are literally right by Kronos's pit with the thing that he wanted but otherwise i don't think that it lands or that there's any reason that it had to happen there no and yeah. speaking of th- and speaking of things that land strange uh hades is here and he's He's very different, which I'm not, I don't want to just say, like, he's different and so it's bad, but he's just, like, the funny guy. So I... I this I is like not the be, father of Nico D'Angelo, okay? I would like to be that, the dissenting voice on this. Uh-huh. Uh, I quite like this version of Hades. Really? A, because they didn't make him look like Hitler, Napoleon, and Osama bin Laden, which is what he looked like in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I think that's a good choice. Uh, True. I forgot about that. B, it, it, I, I like this characterization of Hades as kind of more of a kind of fast-talky deals guy, just because, like, it's kind of what I always wanted from his characterization in the books, where, like, there's always these kind of hints driving at the idea that, like, of of the, like, big three, he is, like, the one who actually, like, keeps his word, and, like, you wouldn't expect him to be, like, the greatest guy ever because he's, like, a devil analog, basically. But, like, yeah. he's... He's... He's on the level, even if he's kind of a shitbag. And I think this does an actually pretty good job of conveying that. It's a lot of the same stuff I like about, like, um, Prometheus in Last Olympian. Yeah. Like, he's, he's a bad guy who's out to get you, but you can, like, talk to him and it adds a bit of flavor to the world. Yeah, that's a great point, because I think what they really convey well here is that he is, like, the king of his own castle, but that means basically nothing. He's alone. He's completely alone in this huge, like, spire. Um, yeah. And he doesn't have, like, we don't see, like, um, a Persephone or, like, uh, like any, like, attendants or anything like that. It's just this one guy in this huge place. And I, yeah, I think I, I I lean toward agreeing with you because he, he, Hades does end up as a character in the books more of, like, the reasonable god, you know, out Mm -hmm. of the three. 
I think that the only thing missing for me was that there was like a sternness that that I was expecting that makes that makes him feel like a little more of a threat to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that's really it. And it's not that I would say that I hated it or anything like that. It was just one of those things where I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Totally. Um, oh, and he's not alone, Jacqueline. He has a statue of Percy's mom. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. He, <laughs> before we see that, he does um, He does say the the line that makes me, that made me laugh more than any other line other than, uh, oh, no, Grover got old, um, <laughs> which was, uh, uh, which is that he says, I like the cut of your jib. Just a little nautical reference for you, which is exactly the kind of like <laughs> stupid humor that I was not expecting him to have, and so it that really caught true. me off guard. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like that that line also completely bombs, and he just has to kind of awkwardly shuffle on from it. I also like the line because it's one of those like, oh man, you're the son of Poseidon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're my nephew, I guess. Uh, nautical reference time to relate to you, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, what is Poseidon like? Boats? I think his kid will like boats, right? Like, <laughs> oh, and yeah, she's a statue now, just like Percy was, and just like Medusa turned people into, um, people, and just like Gabe will become. Uh, she, what? Why? What's with everyone turning into statues in this series? In this like show, even they add more statues. Because... It's the real through line. Because it's, you know, you can get away with less stuff on TV, and that's, like, how you permanently take someone out <laughs> in, a, in a way I that doesn't involve any blood or gore. I yeah. guess so. That is exactly it. Um, but yeah, basically Percy is just like, okay, here's a deal. I will get your helm, and you give me my mom. We cool? And then they peace out of hell. I do like yeah. the, 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 the way that there is, like, this weird misunderstanding between them. Where Hades thinks yeah. that, that Percy has come to uh, give him his Helm of Darkness back. And when Percy offers him the bolt instead, he's he's initially like, no, fuck no, I don't want that. <laughs> and then immediately changes his mind to like, actually, I want that to kill Kronos if it turns out that he's actually coming back. <laughs> yeah. I, something that I also wasn't expecting in this conversation when he's like, oh, uh, like, ask me to offer you sanctuary. Mm. Uh, which is like not a concept we explore really in the books, but I was like... This is the part where I was like, oh, this guy is serious um, because he he like very quickly shifts to like, all right, here's my idea. Here's how I'm going to like go through this war. Uh, I like because you did this for me or offering to like or because, you know, I, I guess because you're my nephew, I'll offer you this one little thing and then you can live forever with your, forever with your mom down here. Uh, he does that, offer that, them pomegranate juice also. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> but but then they do leave. Um, uh after after he says this only ends one way the only question is how difficult we make it which is what sally said earlier when she was trying to get percy out of the car parallels etc yeah percy's like hold fast mom and then uh they 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 leave and they're on the beach and annabeth is there too uh for some reason and also aries aries is walking toward them like a big old scary guy and, and now it's, it's another mid-journey the, set. The the bit that they butchered the most from the book. <laughs> yes. I um, think. Hey, speaking of cribbing things from other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Have, have we all watched Black Sails here? Or has... I, most of it. I've watched most of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I make a reference to, like, the last two episodes, it won't... Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay. Um... 
Yes. So this entire opening for episode eight is a reference to, I think, the, like the last episode of Black Sails. Um, and this entire show, th- this is, I think, I can't tell if this was really good writing and like a really good like usage of the flashback or if I'm just a Black Sails uh, like simp. Uh, <laughs> I, Jane, you said you didn't even realize I didn't even realize, but like now that you mentioned it, yeah, it's obviously like the the thing with Flint and Silver, and then like Percy yes. and Luke in this. And I think like, I mean, you're you're trying to decide whether it's a good device or whether or not you're just a black sales fan. I think it's just like if it worked in one show and you can like get it into another one without it feeling too unnatural, uh, the same device will work pretty well. True. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think that the flashback worked for the most part. Um, the like the inner cut in the in the beginning of the finale, it worked pretty well. It provides some more cushion to like make Percy and Luke have more of a relationship because we haven't seen them together in a while. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Like all of the stuff I felt like we were lacking where we were supposed to feel the importance of Luke being his buddy beforehand. Like we talked about worrying that the betrayal wasn't gonna land. Uh, this helps pad that out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he even starts the episode with sort of a parallel opening speech where he d- does like he he does sort of a parallel like uh, maybe you didn't want to be a half blood but you know that kind of thing to how Percy opens the book uh, mm-hmm. and it, it really good it, it they're really driving home that these two characters are following a very similar path yeah um, uh, but I, I I guess in the similar to last episode we can just go through the flashback. Um, they're, they have most, it's mostly just, they have a sword fight. Percy says repost strong and say he says repost, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and because he's a Twitter addicted zoomer or something, uh, <laughs> or Jan Alpha, I guess. I don't know how that works. No, uh, he's just, he's just a kid who only ever read the word. Yes. Y- you're right. Actually. That is, that, that is it. Um, okay. But he also definitely reads it that way because he's always on Twitter. <laughs> that is also true. That is true. <laughs> Oh, uh, and Percy and Luke teaches Percy that the gods are afraid of them. But and I love this. I think this is an mm. amazing line. Things that are small and scary get squished. I could not. I started laughing so hard when he said that line. Like it's true, and in the context, it's like such a kid thing to say to another kid. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it just it made me laugh so much. I was like, man, this is not. As dramatic as it should sound. <laughs> That's so fair. Uh, and the whole time, uh, I, I shouldn't say the whole time because that makes it sound like this is the like side thing. And the side thing is actually, but the side thing is the flashback. And what we're actually here for is the Ares fight. Uh, what do we think of this action scene? With, uh, I almost said Edge versus Percy. Ares versus Percy. Butchered. Oh, horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible on its own merits, kind of a travesty next to, like, one of the highlights of Lightning Thief. Yeah. It just felt like I blinked and it was over. Yeah. It's so short. There's no witnesses, so there's none of that cool element where, like, the the mortals are seeing through through the mist and think there's, like, a shotgun duel going on. (laughs) And that's what, like, like, gets Percy out of the terrorist arc. There's no weather. There's no weather, there's no interesting choreography, it's just Ares beats him up for a bit and then he gets in the water and he wins. Yeah, I I think the saving, if, if there is a saving grace to this, 
Edge is selling uh, Ares as like dazed and manipulated pretty well. Um, doesn't I, make him I super think... threatening though. No, it doesn't. Uh, and also, he ha- he is like physically imposing, and he knows how to like move around with like a smaller uh, like a smaller you know person to like make a lo- fight almost look okay. But it, it it's hard to salvage this. It also it. We, I think one of the reasons that we kind of forgave like uh, Ares's design being kind of lame early on was because we were like, oh, they're clearly saving like the nuclear fire eyes bit for like when he gets really pissed off during the fight. And then they didn't do that. I actually think that that would have made the fight worse based on how the CGI has been. That's a fair point. Um, the, they they do do one effect thing, which I think kind of improves it, which is they finally show us uh, the the ichor, the the yeah the, that the godly was blood. I actually think that that was practical, though. Oh yeah, well I guess still just a, an effect. Yes, I've I've done some gore makeup in my time, Jacqueline, and some trick uh, photography. Yes, and I do think that the ichor was probably a practical effect. It looked really cool, though. Mm-hmm. It does. It, it's sick. Um, and the, the, yeah, the, and the fight's over. Yay, we won. Uh, it's it should have been an entire fucking episode, I think, or like twenty minutes. I don't know. I it's <sighs> one of the, this episode was forty minutes long, and the fight with Ares was less than five. God, and I don't even need it to be that long. But I, if his fight is gonna be short, I want it to be like fucking visceral, you know. I want it to be like incredibly like fast paced and frantic and actually feel like a fight to the death. Yeah, absolutely. You and I want the there to be like exploding trucks or whatever there were in the original one. I want there to <laughs> they be just... the, the, there's a massive earthquake happening and the sky is turning red because the Olympians are going yeah. to war right now and the world is fucking ending. The stakes felt like nothing. Mm. Yeah. We only like understand that there's weather stuff going on when they, when it ends, and he, uh, and he hears like via like Bioshock like radio <laughs> report that there's violent seismic activity and ionosphere disturbances. A bit like you know that there, it's we get weather. They're like, oh, the world is ending there, but it, it's nothing. It's nothing. Now, on the one hand. Whenever this advice comes up in any kind of writing class or anything, I'm quick to say you need to be careful with it because it was literally invented as part of a CIA psyop. However, show don't tell uh, it has its applications and telling us all the weird weather stuff through a fucking radio broadcast is lame. It sucked. It sucked. Also, I did not know that about the origins of that phrase and... I love that. So thank you, James. That's very good to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to research that later. That's interesting. I'm sure like, I have it, reading it to do. Uh, uh, Helm of Darkness looks pretty cool, I think. Oh, yeah. Cool it was hat. one of the better props. One of the better props, I think. Uh, and we we were rejoined by Percy's uh, math teacher, uh, who, uh, aka Electo who I think gets like a weird amount of character, like, like not like in a bad way, just like, it's interesting that they're giving her like a bit of definition. Like she, they're like, Oh yeah, you were on a quest too, weren't you? And Mm -hmm. she gets like a bit of a like dynamic going. She has like a bit of like evil teacher swag. (laughs) I think, I think I enjoyed that because in all of the, in all of the books and 
something that the show, I think, clumsily tried to get at was the juxtaposition. Again, God damn, once I say it once, I can't <laughs> stop saying it. Um, is is the parallels between the Half-Bloods and monsters being like tools of the gods, right? Yeah. Like yeah. being seen as tools. And so this was just like another instance of that. And I thought it was really deftly done. It's it's really sad because I love her so much, um, but I think they could have almost cut out all of Jessica Parker Kennedy's like speeches as Medusa and just like had this one scene and the theme would have hit just as well. Exactly, it's, exactly. Especially because as we'll get into later in this episode, uh, Medusa's stuff is kind of not paid off in any way at all and in retrospect kind of feels like Never. a waste of space if they weren't going to commit to it. Yeah, oh my god. Um we got oh, our first world war ii mention i i the had i i'm desperate to see inside the like development meetings and like the writing rooms and stuff on this because i guarantee there was a massive fight over this because it got cut <laughs> in the earlier episodes when it like would have made sense for it to come up and then in this one there's a line that's dropped in which is like oh chiron mentioned the world war ii stuff to me and i have to imagine that like the, the way I picture it in my head is, like, Steinberg saying, no, take this out, it's really bad, and, like, Rick fighting tooth and nail to get it put back in at the last minute. Yeah. there I can imagine factions forming over this, for sure. <laughs> it, Yeah, I... The World War... Uh, again, World War Two stuff for Percy Jackson, just, like, always cuttable. N- almost never relevant. Literally, you do not need it. It was already... All the stuff that, that adds to the story was already justified by the big three stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. And... Percy says some, like, epic shit. He's, like, in, like, like YA protagonist mode, for sure. <laughs> um, with, uh, like, uh, like Percy, no, you can't you can't go there. Zo- is this even, is this Electo saying this? Like, Zeus will never let you leave alive if you go there? Um, no, it's Hades. It's Hades. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, I'm done running from monsters. Uh, <laughs> and that's... He he's doing the powerful little boy standing up against the the establishment thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, he's still. We don't get much more about this, but I it's being like established as like a long term thing. I feel like, uh, per- Percy before leaving saying, "Where's the glory in that?" About like he he wants to go and have the big confrontation with Zeus one on one. Uh, still having those like little fascism ideas from Luke popping up in his head. The way I, I I think the sympathetic reading you could take of this is that like what Luke told him was that the gods specifically like respect glory and that's like like how they get the kids to notice them. And I think yeah. Percy saying, Where's the glory in me just like sending an email about this is like you can you can yeah. definitely read that as like he wants Zeus to like have to respect him at least a little bit and therefore actually fucking listen to him. That's good I mean, catch. even yeah. even just to actually notice him, right? Like an email mm. can be deleted with nothing, right? But if he's standing right in front of them of of Zeus, then like he's got to at least say, "Get out of here." Yeah, or, you or know just he makes like Iris. Bolt. <laughs> also, yes, that. you know he makes like Iris check his email for him or something. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Lance Reddick, rest in peace. He is uh rip. He's he's here as Zeus. And uh, he's I th- what do we think of Lance Reddick as Zeus? Pretty good, I think. Amazing. I loved him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's really like 
he he's so powerful in the role um i like i haven't i i don't know he he's putting on such like a he feels like the king of the world <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't know how to say it in any other way he just has like the stature and that it, it's really exciting to see him like i don't know go head to head with percy in that way i think it's like it's an interesting um kind of take on zeus's character where like it still has a thing from the books where like zeus is just like this massive piece of shit who is just like yeah. weird and aggressive and incredibly self-centered. But the way that it's played here, he kind of has this like facade of civility over the top of it. It's like he's... a CEO. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I loved that read. Like it felt like the right choice, uh, especially in like comparison. Haha, said comparison, even though I thought <laughs> juxtaposition. Uh, in comparison to Poseidon and Hades. Um where, like you said, we did get, like, the straight-talking thing from Hades while he was also being kind of a dick. And, like, Poseidon is so reserved. And so then to have Zeus be like, I am also civil like my brothers, but also just massive, massive asshole, and I can destroy you where you stand, and how dare you talk to me. They're oh. all three very different types of CEO, I'm realizing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, Zeus is, like, the high-powered executive type. You know, he's he's the Victor Newman, which is, I guess, the only CEO I can think of. <laughs> uh, he's, like... Uh, uh, Hades runs, like, a small car dealership, uh, like, two, three states away. And, and has mafia connections. Yes. <laughs> and Poseidon uh, has... He has those Italian mafia connections back from the old days, back from the... Uh, and <laughs> He's never in the office. He's always at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> he's exactly exactly he has people handle that for him exactly uh, poseidon oh. comes in though with the like okay yeah zeus just like kind of like he basically completely uh he takes the master bolt and he completely dismisses percy percy's mad he's he's impertinent uh and zeus tries to kill him just Which straight great. up honestly yeah. amazing maybe okay so i said that the best cgi was cerberus but actually i think the best cgi is the lightning here mm-hmm. mostly because that's just cool lighting effects you know <laughs> yeah i was kind of disappointed even when he was like loud like yelling and angry and like um like you could hear thunder happening you never there was never like you couldn't see clouds rolling in while he was getting angry there was mm. no like uh lightning striking i guess because all that is like under him maybe but it feels like there should still be a storm rolling in and it 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 kind of like visually disappoints there but when he tries to kill percy poseidon comes in with a fucking sick like uh like very it's very um like oh i i put my hand out to stop the sword or whatever that kind of move uh just grabbing zeus's arm and surrendering the war yeah the fact that like he Again, it's one of those things that like really justifies like the the closer connection in this show that like Zeus goes for Percy and like Poseidon like immediately surrenders like on the spot. Yeah. I loved it. Y- yes, I completely Sorry, I don't have anything to elaborate. I just it was like a scene that perfectly landed for me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's it's just like really good. Um it it's like kind of we like you like we said earlier a a good action scene doesn't need to be long to like really land this was a good action like beat Mm -hmm. just like 
the the like choreography of how he was like stand how they were moving in that one quick moment was really good uh and then uh you know lance is like uh, not lance sorry zeus is like i should kill him for being you know he's like a forbidden child or whatever and poseidon drops the funniest fucking line uh by mentioning thalia whose bravery still inspires all demigods it's so insane to me that this is like a reference to the opening of that shit sea of monsters movie (laughs) Yes. This is, Audrey, if you haven't seen it, this is word for word how the Sea of Monsters movie starts. A voiceover. (laughs) uh, Thalia not mentioned at all in the first one, and then the second one, a voiceover to introduce her with Percy saying Thalia was killed by a a monster and then became a tree. Her bravery inspires all demigods every day. (laughs) Why are... What's with the reference? I don't know. Is that like how it's phrased in the book anywhere? No, not even I don't all. recall. <laughs> okay, then that's just weird. I watched the first Percy Jackson movie in theaters and it was horrible I'm and so I sorry. didn't go see the second one. You <laughs> Look, it was one of those school trips where they give you like three movies to pick from and the other two were like animated movies well below my like grade level. Yeah. Um, mm. So I picked Percy Jackson. <laughs> that's fair. Rip. Um <laughs> I was, I thought it was kind of cool when they started speaking ancient Greek. That was awesome. No, that's neat. I just, okay, look, I complained so much about the last episode, but like this episode, I really like from the moment Percy sets the bolt down on into the office to the moment he leaves uh, Olympus, I was like, yeah, flawless scene. Mm. I loved it. <laughs> Not entirely, okay, but for the most part. I... I feel like Olympus itself is like the the biggest weak link in this kind of series of scenes. I mean, yeah, the sets once again. The, it's a weird mid mid journey office building. It, it that the the actual I think Olympus itself looks way too like built up. There's no like greenery or like trees or anything. Yeah, it I looks. Think... It looks. It, I thought that he had gone back to Hades. I was so confused. <laughs> it looks the same. So they. Exactly. I part of why I think this might be is that like I feel like the designs look more Byzantine than Greek. There's like a lot more domes around than you would mm-hmm. find in like typical mm. Greek architecture. And I'm wondering if this is meant to be like foreshadowing the idea that we get in Heroes of Olympus of like the the Romans are in the West and they kinda of represent the Western Roman Empire and the Greeks in the East represent like the Eastern Roman Empire. I'm wondering if that's what they're going Maybe. for. Maybe. It's definitely possible. Oh wait. There is one neat detail though, uh-huh. uh huh, which is the the uh, the throne room where like the confrontation with Zeus and Percy happens. Uh, there's kind of this ring of thrones going around it, but um, oh yeah, one of them is not a throne; it's just like uh, a brazier full of fire, and I assume that's Hestia. Yeah, which I loved. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't notice that. I didn't catch that either. I definitely was just like, oh yeah, the th- the thrones, cool. <laughs> I think I was just thinking, like, oh, are they too small? Should they be bigger? Um, but <laughs> It was hard to tell in scale how, how big they were. Yeah, which maybe that's, you know, to its advantage. Like We, we don't, don't we don't get the thing from the Lightning Thief movie where Percy looks like a fucking borrower next to Poseidon. <laughs> which was amazing, honestly. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Sorry, I'm thinking about the conversation between Percy and Poseidon. Uh, it's... It's so short, right? Poseidon meeting his son for the first time. Percy dr- meeting his dad for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a lot less anger than there is in the books, I think. Um, uh, and it, it's mostly just kind of like bittersweet, I would say. Yeah, you yeah. get you get the sense that these two kind of they they kind of bond over a little joke. I think they clown on Dionysus, maybe. Uh, yeah, and like you can tell that like if these two spend some time together, together, they would probably very quickly like each other, but they can't. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the big overall thing is that they could have a good relationship, but they never will. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. The great the great way the scene ends is by per, is by Percy asking if, uh, because I believe, who said this, Hades, Ares. Hades. Ares said the gods don't dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Poseidon says, well, that's fucking Ares. He's an asshole. Um, <laughs> and, and and so he's like, so do gods dream? And he says, yes, of course we do. Uh, and then he says, do you ever dream about mom? And this is like the big Toby Stevens amazing facial acting. Mm. Uh, yes. He goes through like, you can see him cycling through like 12 different incredible emotions. It's, it's just outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really has a face journey and he doesn't respond. He sends Percy away. Yep. Yeah. Back to camp. And where I'm reminded that so many of these campers are like six. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of young, young children. It's fucked. Which I suppose is the, I, the idea is also to, like, make sure you get across the idea that, like, this was an option for Sally and she didn't take it for a reason. Because they all yeah. look about Walter Scobell's age. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. we've kept up the Walter Scoble bit also. <laughs> um, I did look up to see whether or not that actor is related to him, and he's not. It's wow. just great Uncanny. casting. Uncanny how similar they look. I that, know. That is amazing. Luke... Uh, with his whole fucking oh, I I didn't tell anyone that Clarice was the lightning thief. Everyone says Clarice in a very specific way in the show. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I I I don't know, but it's I the way that Gaston says Maurice in Beauty and the Beast, in the animated <laughs> one. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, and you know he's he leads Percy into the forest, and it was okay. It's very dark, but. It's the first interesting lighting we get in the entire show. It's uh, true. Yeah, with the fireworks the, going off. With the fireworks going off and the primary lighting only like being a single lamp that they put down. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Percy doing his like detective thing where he like you know corners Luke and Luke starting to cry. I think. A little bit. Oh, uh, that's what it looked like. Uh, and just. God, it's. I think it's really okay. I think it's like um, like it's like decent. This is pretty good. Yeah. I think that they did a good job of offsetting what I was worried about, which is that there wasn't enough like Percy and Luke interacting to make the betrayal feel like an actual gut punch. Yeah. and I think that they did it here, and in part also they did it while still making you feel really sympathetic to Luke. Because yes. it's, like, so easy to see how Percy could be him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's 75% there. And I think the last 25% would have been if they had made it feel at all as though Percy was in danger at any point. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's no because there's no fucking scorpion on his hand. It it doesn't feel like like in the Luke obviously doesn't want to kill him. Like or like doesn't even have a plan to kill him. Yeah. Uh, no. And that I think that takes away a little bit of the sting of the betrayal. Uh to I, to uh-huh. I, I think the mortal peril aspect in general was stripped out of this show because the only fight where it actually seems like Percy might die is the arch fight. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that one was so early in the show that you know that he can't possibly die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a show named after him. And yeah. it's for kids. Um, Hello. Speaking speaking of stuff that is, like, kind of violent stuff being stripped out uh, in a way that I do actually kind of like, uh, Backbiter was completely different in the show. Yeah. Well, That's I, true. I, I really love Backbiter in the books. I think it, it's its gimmick is very cool. I also think you cannot get away with it in a TV show. Like, absolutely not backbiter being like half steel never got any play in the books because it would have involved showing luke fucking hacking people to bits uh, yeah so changing it so that it's like instead it's a sword that can like portal around to like explain how was... he's like going around and organizing his army i think is a good change so cool and also just the design of the sword is like backbiter has like a cool ass design yeah. for it's props sick. in this show it's like a scimitar almost mm-hmm. yeah I- backbiter I, they did justice by backbiter and i really it's because it's probably my favorite like weapon uh yeah, definitely. from from the show and i uh, we talked about luke's actor being kind of on the weaker side not like weak but he's only you know he's again child actor uh, i mean he's a little bit of teen surf boy and <laughs> i like i wasn't sure he would have the chops in this episode you know I think he does all right. There are a couple of really good uh, deliveries when he says, like, I didn't think you'd give the shoes to Grover. He seems really, like, heartbroken. Um, like, he, like his desperation and, like, saying that he wants to recruit Percy. Um, how angry he's... He sells being really angry because the fight starts when Percy... <laughs> the fight starts when Percy... Um, well, he, yeah, and then he's, like, he goes through, like... Oh, you know, Zeus wants to separate us all. He hates when they're together. We're going to help Kronos bring back the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're going to return to tradition, etc. <laughs> um, and then he goes for Percy as soon as Percy even implies that Hermes was trying his best as a father. Yes. I, oh, yeah. And I like, I think this makes sense. It's like a, a kind of conflict for the, for the two of them. Where it's like... Yeah. I think... Percy has a very narrow view of this, where he's like, "Oh, my dad was actually trying," which means that uh, yeah. all the gods are trying, really, when that's clearly not true. Like Athena tried to fucking kill Annabeth. I agreed with Luke in this scene when, when the jibe about Hermes came up because I was like, "Percy, just because your dad surrendered the war to stop you from being killed and seemed like an okay dude uh, with a lot on his mind, does not mean that Hermes was trying his best no. yeah. at all." And, like, in fact, the scenes we got with Hermes did not convince me in any way that he had tried to do his best by Luke. Absolutely you know? not. It's, N- not at all. It's one of those things where I think, like, Percy... Percy has kind of started out in this show in kind of the place where we wanted, we always want him to go in the books, where he's like, fuck the gods. And, like, his arc yeah. taking him to maybe the gods are all right is, like... It makes sense for now, but I think it's, like, something that really is going to need a lot of development and movement later on to, like, give him a mm-hmm. convincing a perspective that's a convincing counterweight to luke it's a naive 
perspective, yeah. I think. And that is interesting in a way to have gone from jaded to naive. Um, and I think that the way that they played everything out with Percy makes sense why he's there in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But it also is one of those things that I worry that that's too far of a backpedal and he's yeah. going to have like a repeated character arc. Yeah, I, I, I see it from the perspective of like, Percy is jaded, but he's jaded in a very specific way of like, he is jaded about the real world and he has no like immunity to all any of this mythological stuff. Yeah. Um, and what grounds that in the books is I think the constant comparison to like, this is all just like the real world over again. Um, yes. And that exists in this show, but I think doesn't end up affecting Percy's character in the same way. No. Uh, no. Uh, the, the fight is very quick. Uh, it per, uh, Luke is opening up portal. Like he's keeps going back to try and like slash this portal open. Uh, and the, the choreography is pretty decent. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Luke runs away when Annabeth reveals herself. I this is a good having change, heard everything. Having Annabeth, yeah. be, uh, the betrayal scene is something that was I think like missing from Lightning Thief. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that going forward, it puts Percy and Annabeth's friendship and eventual relationship into like a better, like a more solid starting point where they're not going to have to retread the same ground that was that they did this this uh, season. Right. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and after that, it's sort of a quick ending. Uh, we, 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 we cycle through kind of going back and checking in with a bunch of the characters that we met. Chiron is worried Percy's going to get recruited. Uh, Dionysus. Dionysus is a weirdo. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This. Oh, go ahead, please, Jane. I, I was just, I was just saying, yep. Yeah. I, I, this. This doesn't land as well as his humor in the first like couple episodes for me, but it's no. it's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, Annabeth not do- Annabeth's going back to her family, but more importantly, for some reason, she doesn't know what Disneyland Disney World is. What's happening well, with her? Because she's never seen any movies. Right. I. I. Oh my. I think you still would have seen some indication of Disney. I don't understand her character. Like what they I understand weird. her this specific trait that they keep bringing up. I just I, I maybe it'll be in season 2. I don't I guess. I don't fucking, uh, it, it again, I think be, some I character does Vizia from Kane Chronicles got shuffled in by mistake. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh god. Um And then Grover's what going to go look for Pan, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's very funny, um, Grover being like, I think just like in retrospect, just him being like, I'm so excited. I know exactly where to search for him. I'm going to go to the seas. <laughs> and it's like, no, you stupid asshole. He's not in the seas. He's he's in the labyrinth. Dummy, there's Cyclopes uh, out there. You're going after a fucking fleece. Yeah. Although, hey, oh, look on the bright side. When we get to see monsters, we'll once again have uh, at least a section where uh, we're getting a Jonathan Steinberg run pirate show because we're getting the black stuff with the Blackbeard. Oh, That's shit. You're true. right. That's true. Uh, yeah, what if they bring back the same actor <laughs> as Blackbeard? <laughs> what if they he also should. dies by Keel Holy in this show? <laughs> oh, God. Um,. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like Percy's little, well, if you need some help on the seas, I know some people in management. 
And they make a a a, tr- a very I like this bit. They they make a pact to meet back next year. This really seals one thing that I think the show has over the books, which is like really selling me on the trio of Percy, Grover, and Annabeth. Yeah. Mm. Uh like they're they're all friends. They have their own little dynamics with each other, and that's different than it is in the books where I mean, maybe this could still happen in the show. We don't know. But Grover kind of slips away entirely as a character. Grover stops existing yes, by does. Titan's curse. Oh, 100%. Um, and then Percy has a fucked up dream. Yeah, and he tells Kronos to go away. Uh, and then he wakes up and his mom is there. And it was very, like, lackluster com- yeah. compared to how much trouble he went through to have her back because like their actual hug reunion was part of the fucked up dream yeah yeah which i don't I, that doesn't land for me at all no. especially i hated it chronos also doesn't really land for me he's just like some dude in like rags he i looks guess like he Taron. just he looks like the same fucking yes, dude he looked like karen again i was just like jesus <laughs> uh also i need to drop something that i learned uh, because I think we were like, who's playing like Kronos? He's doing like a weird voice, and yeah. I learned who's playing Kronos. Oh, uh, the the guy who played Peter Ash in Black Sails. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the the guy who the fucking outed J- out, outed Flint. Um, what the fuck? To, oh my god! Which is an insane like pull. Like what are? Th- something what a I casting choice this does something to my brain that this is the casting choice that like <laughs> like what is this saying about like i don't know what like i guess he is that is like the ultimate evil kind of <laughs> but it's god i don't know i'm also, looking forward Percy calls to him... poseidon uh killing him and leaving him to fucking bleed out at some point yeah god also percy calls him grandpa and sally's like don't do that <laughs> it was very funny um Man, I mean that pretty much is the end of the show, well, and then we get our we get our Gabe comeuppance in the credits. This right? sucks. It was bad. It was so bad. They've, I hate it happening on accident. It. I hate that it happened on accident. This for me is like the exact thing I was worried about when they were like toning down the idea of him as this like abusive character. Yes. Where yeah. It's like you've you've just fucking sanded again, just sanding the edges off this shit for and like removing like the the really powerful moment of percy like giving agency to his mom to deal with this instead of like being this like big chauvinist greek well, hero and also this game doesn't deserve to fucking die <laughs> no this game was kind of a shitty dude but he like he shouldn't have been killed and also like for me the the thing is in the books right like sally gets to decide how to deal with it and also it is like she it is so fucking stone cold amazing that she's like oh yeah like my husband disappeared and i have this statue to sell yes. yeah and like that is amazing to me in the books and i was so mad that nothing like that happened in the show even though i do think that the sally characterized here wouldn't have done it that was primarily because the gabe characterized here like you said jane was not extreme enough of like a bad person and like hurtful and harmful person to her and percy I think that, like, I don't really understand. I I guess I kind of do, but I barely understand why they are even getting a divorce. They seemed, like, okay with each other. Yeah, um, it, it seemed like not, not like a I mean, they had the one fight. 
they, they had the one fight where she was like, I'm taking the car, I'm going up to Montauk, and they, like, got at each other a little bit, but I was like, um, I mean, yeah, you guys probably aren't a great couple, but, like... I guess it's because eh. he went on national TV and called Percy a terrorist, but also we never got any real follow-up to that. I want, like, no. Sally's reaction to that. <laughs> I want I, wa- I want to see her, cha- like, kicking him out. You know what I mean? Like I would have tr- treated... Like fifty percent of the Sally flashbacks that we got in in the previous episode for that amount of screen time of Sally in the present after she's returned from Hades yes. in this episode. Yeah, or it some feels flashbacks like about her and Gabe. Honestly, yeah, because yeah. that could have dev- yeah that could have connected it right. Like we could have that could have been the through line between the theme of like how do I not abandon Percy like how do I make him like know that like how like we we need to see her make the compromise of like if I'm gonna do this I need to be with this guy yeah that would that would be kind of amazing Uh, I need something stable and how did you land on Gabe but like good enough you know yeah right and like I guess like figuring out that his stench like overpowers (laughs) the scent of demigod or whatever Um, god I all right, Percy Jackson TV show. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. What do we think? It's um, fine. I think like my biggest problem with the show is the like the thing that means that like all the little like adaptational fuck ups and stuff that I can't forgive is that it just has no style or flair. It's just like a yeah. completely bog standard generic adaptation. I yeah. It, to me, it's, I'm not going to say thumbs up, but I'm not going to say thumbs down. Like, I don't regret watching it. I won't watch it again. Nope. Probably <laughs> wouldn't have watched past the first couple of episodes if I wasn't doing this with you guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, nope. It's okay. It's okay. Like, like you said, Jane, I have watched worse. Um, <laughs> I've watched worse for worse reasons. Um, so, yeah, it just, I don't know. I don't like the way that all of the bite or anything that anyone might have taken issue with was taken out of the show. Um, And not in a good way, like, oh, the author realized that he wrote something sexist, more in a, like, there was a lot of interesting ideas that for me as a younger kid were important to think about that were in the books Mm -hmm. that I was thinking about because of the books that weren't here. Yeah. It's so corporate. It's, It's so just, like, Disney... And that kind of repels me at this point in my life. Absolutely. I, it does. I, I just, yeah. Uh, weird. Like, it was, again, it was, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, Audrey. I'm not giving it a thumbs up, not getting giving it a thumbs down. I'm like, my hands are in my lap and I'm like. Say sli- my, my, my thumb is here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like vaguely like nodding or maybe shaking my head. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's it's all that low lighting, Jacqueline. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely squinting. Is the, maybe that's the biggest takeaway. My my biggest like bodily reaction to this show is squinting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, God. that's fair. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Audrey, on this journey. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Talking about it was a lot of fun more than watching it was. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you are a pleasure to have on, and uh, we will we will leave you to your doings as we as we outro. All right, Jade. 
not cis hat. that he wrote not something cis-hat. sexist more um, in a like there was a lot of because it's so fucking disney i'm like are, these are all just like important to think about that were in the books that i was thinking about because revealed, of the books that one weren't of them here. will be revealed to be gay and they'll make like a rainbow funko pop of them and then it will never be revealed in the actual show i they already have nico nico will nico will be corporatized oh jesus i'm not looking forward to that <laughs> Oh my god. I also somebody did say that apparently Nico you could hear Nico like yelling for Bianca or something like that in the casino episode. So maybe that was say my, my, the, my thumb is here. Um Maybe. I don't know. I was I was high on lotus leaves, so <laughs> Yeah, I was I was high off of the guy that looked like Mark Hamill, but like, Well it's it's all that low lighting, so Jacqueline. Like Mark Hamill. Who is not have we do we forget to do this last time? I don't know, it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> Uh, Electo <laughs> yeah, has some like lesbian fair. leather dom energy. <laughs> mm-hmm, I can see that. Thank you for having me. That this is, was a, a lot of fun. fun. Talking about it you was don't a want lot to, of fun. Do you more than do watching it was. Oh no, I no, I was I was asking if that was oh, a like, PR. Yeah, I don't have anything. I have a Grover wears a flower. That's kind of gay. Like, it's... what do you want from me? Uh, fuck. Who? Who's gay? What is Annabeth? Why does Annabeth say that she trusts Percy's dad? Never mind. I can't get fucking back. There's still shit in this. I, I, yeah, no. This... Oh, my God. You tell me yours. Tell me yours before I go into a rant. Um, I think uh, my my Nazis hair pick is Poseidon. Uh-huh. Um, entirely. I'm just, like, I'm completely going off of, like... I think Toby Stevens has simply like maintained the the aura of like ashamed 18th century bisexual from Black Sails yeah. and brought it into this show. Yeah, absolutely. He, that's just the aura he carries around with him now. <laughs> um, that was that was radiating off him on that one uh, CBB's Toby Stevens bedtime story thing that we looked at on the bonus show. <laughs> I liked that. That was really nice. Um, I like that he did a little pirate voice. Um, <laughs> he should have done a pirate voice on this. He was I was, doing, I, like, I, his voice was like 95% Flint voice, but like not quite there. And it did throw me off a little bit. No. Yeah. That's the thing. He was, I was expecting him to do it like a, an, an astounding American accent, but he didn't. Thank God. <laughs> um, uh, can I change mine? You can change yours. Go for it. You can do an extra one for Audrey. Yeah, I'll do an extra one for Audrey. Hades also has the, like... Hades is, like, that one motherfucker in your friend group who is, like, uh, who gets no pussy, but is <laughs> also, like... Out, also is, like, an out pansexual. Um, he's he's and, trying every port of call there is and getting nothing. Nothing. Um, <laughs> Persephone has not has not been down here they they mostly live they live in separate rooms yeah they have separate um, bedrooms but i i something he he has like a he has like a flair i feel like a homophobe doing this show what's wrong with sometimes what's wrong with me <laughs> i'm gonna cut is, that the, I, the, the problem is that we are fucking so often just like looking for scraps that we end up falling back on homophobic stereotypes yeah we're we're both like we're both gay people of the of the sort. We're both transgender. It's fine. We can we both say have things. A, an arsenal of several slurs that we can say. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, and I will do so right now. 
<laughs> Jane, I can't believe you said all those slurs. Uh, well, it's a shame the audio that was corrupted. Now that that's got out of the way, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean Vice Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find that at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. Interstitial Infinity just started. That's really good. You should go listen to it. Um, and also, we just brought on a new, not a new show, but a, a new show to the network, as it were. Uh, uh, indie Mixtape, a podcast all about indie video games, curated playlists, and interviews with indie developers. Um, that it that that's just come on to the come on to the the network. So go listen to it uh can you tell that i was just reading a square description because i haven't listened to it yet uh, <laughs> uh and if you want to find us you can go to twitter tumblr uh blue sky yes unfortunately um i haven't posted there in months <laughs> yeah uh you shouldn't it's like evil too um, they're, they're all evil uh, yeah, they're all the. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Co- I don't know if co-host is evil yet. Um, it will be, but for now it's alright. It will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, and uh, where you can get links to our episode updates, episode updates as to whether or not they're coming out. Also, you might have seen on Twitter, for instance, where we said that this one would be a couple days late. Um, because of some scheduling stuff. Uh, also, you get to see Visual Companions. We should have done Visual Companions. This is a TV show. Uh, but we didn't. Like People can uh, watch the fucking show if they want some Visual Companions. I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, we could just post the entire TV show. Uh, you probably could get away with that on Twitter at this point. <laughs> Alright, go to 123series. <laughs> no. um, um, and... If you want to support us, you can leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can uh, leave a review. That one really helps. Did I say that? No, you can tell a friend about us. That really helps. Also, leaving a review really helps. Uh, And you can support us with a little bit of, and I'm sorry to say it, but cash money. Um, (laughs) You can go to Patreon or like cryptocurrency, I guess. No. I actually don't think you can do that. No, you can't do that. I don't don't think Uh, we support that. (laughs) But you can, like, convert it into, like, internet money and give it to us. Um, (laughs) It's patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for $1 a month, you get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. Uh, For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Dionysus, as well as all of our bonus content. It is a good time to be listening to the bonus content that we're putting out on our Patreon. We have uh, finished a full season of coverage of Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans that you can listen to. We've got uh, our entire analysis of all four seasons of Black Sails, which, again, has come up a couple of times during this show and might be something that you may be interested in looking into yourself. Uh, we're At the minute, we're trying to decide what we're going to be covering next, and you can actually, even if you're not a member of the Patreon, go into our Discord and vote on that. Uh, we are currently trying to decide if we want to do Disco Elysium, Friends at the Table, Monogatari, Liar Game, Young Justice Season 4, Avatar The Legend of Korra, Revolutionary Girl Utena, We Know the Devil in Heaven Will Be Mine, Death Note, and Homestuck 2. Uh, so if you'd be interested in seeing any of those, come into the Discord, let us know, vote on it, uh, and maybe give it a listen. And also, uh, before we move on to any of those, our next episode will be on the third Trez Navari book, The Last King of Texas. So if you're interested in something that has some of those edges that were sanded off the show, maybe check that out. And for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of uh, Aphrodite's Chosen, 
as well as all of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of every single episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank I Love Sammy's Greats, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye. getting kicked in the face at Warp Tour? Did you shatter your glasses in a mosh pit in 2007? Did you wear more studded belts than a Final Fantasy character? Then we have the show for you. We are So Emo I Fell Apart, a podcast about third wave email, late night live journal updates, burnt hair, and everything in between. Join us every second Saturday as we examine major moments in the history of emo and keep you updated on current events. Because it was never a phase.